Because she's like supposed to be Vlad the Impaler, except as a young woman, she's obviously going to be pretty ruthless because Vlad the Impaler didn't get his name because he was nice to people. <laughs> what do you guys think about when you, when I say like anti-hero, anti-heroine to you, what are some like some characters that come to mind, some traits that come to mind, just go for it. Well, um, for me, like the first, I guess it wasn't because I went and pulled a bunch of books with like women villains and anti-heroines and stuff. And so really this wasn't the first book that I read that included that, but this is the one that always comes to my mind is The Young Elites. I don't know why I'm showing it, but here it is for Hannah and Jackie. Um, listeners, you can just imagine the cover, um, but The Young Elites by Marie Lu, um, because and it was a long time ago that I read it. Hannah, did you read it? I haven't read it. I know what it is. Like I know, I know that in terms of anti-heroines, I forget what the main Adelina something. Yeah, Adelina. Okay. Cause I, I know that she's pretty um like big, like she's a big character when people talk about anti-heroines. Yeah. And Jackie, did you read it? I have not. I feel okay. like I need to do like Wendy fantasy because I feel like that's higher fantasy than what I'm like familiar with. Because I read what like urban fantasy. We talked about this on another episode, but like <laughs> I need to read more like adventure. Like I feel like you read a lot of like adventure at sea, and like that's what you like to write. Yes, I feel like that's yeah action adventure nice stuff. To dive yeah. into. Yeah. yeah, well, if you want book recs, um, these are some good ones, though, the ones I brought out to talk about today. But um, yeah, so this one, I actually didn't really like this book. So um, <laughs> this one maybe isn't the best recommendation, um, but it definitely does fit with anti-heroine um, because Adelina becomes more of a villain in it. Really, I'm doing a terrible job of this because it was so long ago that I read it. But I know that that's what I think of when I think of an anti-heroine. Do you remember anything about like her trait? Like when I think about anti-hero, I think about somebody like essentially who is more selfish than selfless, like kind of lacks yeah. the traditional heroic characteristics of like courage or like I said, like altruism um, and kind of has more of a focus on like their self-interest than, than a traditional hero might. I don't know if that's true for Adelina though because I haven't read that book. Yes um I don't know so the this is actually one of my favorite summaries though um of like on the inside cover because it starts with I'm tired of being used hurt and cast aside and then it goes into like summary 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 and then it ends with it is my turn to use my turn to hurt and I thought that was so clever to like Ooh. do that with that but um the last few lines of the summary part are um, Adelina has abilities that don't belong in this world, a vengeful blackness in her heart and a desire to destroy all who dare to cross her. So um, I guess it's because she's more, she has like these abilities that let her be more of a villain, but, um, but she is the narrator and the protagonist. So that was really interesting to kind of be in her mind for it. Um, but yeah, I would say that there's definitely selfishness with it. Um, 
a character I think the reason I don't like it is because a character died who I didn't think should die and that's why I just got mad oh no but because I own the second book and I just haven't read it it's like on my shelf back there but what if they come back Wendy that, that they happened might. to me in a book I recently read let's say what it is because it's a spoiler but a character died about a third of the way into the book and I was like crying I was like how could the author do this to me but then twist at the end the character was still alive and I felt like my heart had been like ripped out of my chest but then put back into my chest you know I don't know so maybe they come back yeah. I don't know I don't know message me I'll Mom message Wendy. you because it'll <laughs> <laughs> um I think when it comes to anti-heroes I'm more on like not necessarily like selfishness but like or self self-interest necessarily but like they're kind of just a misunderstood hero in the yes. sense that like they do things that not everyone agrees with and they're not putting on like a show because I feel like I don't know when I think of like I don't know like Captain America versus like Magneto like one is a symbol of something and another is a symbol for a whole like movement yeah but like we obviously put Captain America as like this like perfect ideal when it's really like no Magneto was doing the work right he just wasn't doing it in the same way you thought and like I love the idea that like um Professor X and Magneto are pulled from like um two very famous figures Malcolm X and um Martin Luther King Jr where it's like they had two very different ways of going about things but like some people hold them in higher regard than the other and I just think like it's all about values and like how far you're willing to go for those values um and for me a good anti-hero story that I love is like revenge and I don't know if you guys have um seen like the trailer or anything for Promising Young Woman but I watched I watched the movie so I need to watch it like I've been watching videos about that movie literally every day all day because I'm just very upset with the ending and oh, you watched it. Oh, like, I thought you hadn't seen it yet. Okay. I haven't seen it, anything. but I know the ending because okay. I love spoilers because it just, it makes me go into whatever it is that much more like analytical because I'm like, okay, how do we get there? Right. Um. But yeah, like a good revenge plot is just so tasty to me. Yes. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that movie. So once you watch <laughs> it, we should talk about it. Um, I think that kind of goes into what you're saying, the difference between a villain and an anti-hero or an anti-hero and an anti-villain. I mean, that's the thing is, I'm not sure where the difference between an anti-villain and an anti-hero, it's very blurry to me. Yeah. But like an anti-hero, I think may may have like, quote, justifiable motives for what they're doing. But the way they they go about accomplishing it may be in an unsavory or unheroic way. Like they're not beyond torturing somebody. They're not beyond murdering somebody. They're not being, you know, they're they're willing to kind of go down a darker path to get their goals accomplished. 
um, versus a villain I feel like is just explicitly an evil motive like I, that's at least a, in my mind where the distinction comes in but then I feel like the best villains are the ones where in their mind it's they're doing it for a good reason or not necessarily good but like an important reason to them like sometimes right. it's does like they feel like they're doing it for like it's the right thing to do so then there's a gray line there as well I think it's I think it's a case-by-case basis because I think even if the villain thinks they're doing something good if it's objectively evil like genocide then you can't you can't like justify that (laughs) but if it's something like Jackie's talking about where it's like somebody killed your family and you're gonna kill all the people who got involved with that then I feel like there's when you have the distinction between a villain and an anti-hero but I agree with you Wendy that I think it is a case-by-case basis I don't think you can make a general statement so with that exactly what you're saying with someone who killed the family <laughs> um I'm gonna bring in lore because this one is amazing for talking about anti-heroines versus anti-villains versus villains um with Love the it. characters of lore and Athena um which I'm trying not to get too spoilery on it but um but Lore, her family was killed, and so she spends a huge portion of the plot trying to get revenge for their murders. Um, and so she definitely falls more into that category of anti-heroine, I would say. Um, whereas Athena, her motives are kind of more gray throughout. Um, so she maybe falls more into that anti-villain one, but I don't right. know. It's that's a really good one and Alexandra Bracken does a great job of like weaving everything through and you really get in their minds and understand where they're coming from with it um so I definitely recommend Lore if you haven't read it Jackie um you should read it that's a really good one um but yeah that's that's one that I definitely want to talk about in regards to this question she makes a lot of tough choices in that book for sure um where it's like choosing the lesser of two evils essentially um, which is what makes her character so interesting in lore. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think too, um, that reminded me of a, 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 obviously I'm like looking at my list and I'm like, a lot of these characters, like they're, the reason why they're morally gray is because their family was like murdered. So maybe I have like a thing for like <laughs> revenge. <laughs> um, but also, uh, uh, Antigone from Fireborn by Rosario Munda, which I just read. Um, it's really good. Uh, and the sequel just came out. But her family is it's like set in this world where wealthy dragon riding families used to kind of rule over everyone else and they like used their dragons to oppress lower born um, communities until like a revolution dethroned and massacred them. And so now there's like this new regime that's kind of come up in this country um, where regardless of social status you can test to become a dragon rider in their kind of like military I guess Um, but anyways so Antigone or Annie is her nickname she's a serf um, and her lowborn family was killed by dragon fire when she was a young girl Um, but she was actually able to test into like their dragon riding academy their dragon riding fleet um and kind of has to like work her way up I guess and make a lot of uh iffy decisions about what she's willing to do to protect her country or what she's willing to sacrifice for the greater good um but anyways where I'm going with this is that 
in her journey, she confronts a lot of like misogyny and classism uh, and a lot of people like villainizing her because she's a woman versus the other main character being um, a young man who's from like a wealthier background. And he isn't, he, he's not burdened with that as much. Like people don't come for him in the same way that they come for Annie, uh, which is kind of like why I wanted to talk about anti-heroines and women villains with you guys. Um, like, do women have to be likable in stories, I guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like women just have that expectation of being like the mothers and the yeah. nurturers and the lovers and whatever. And so, I don't know, when you were saying that, I was thinking of Korra versus Aang and how, like, mm-hmm. we embrace Aang for all that yes. he is. But, like, even me, I give Korra such a hard time. But I think my problem with her is not her being a woman necessarily. It's the fact that she is so powerful and she has no emotions until, like, season four, season three, season four, where they they don't, like the writers don't know how to write characters that are women and I'm just like who wrote Katara because she has an arc and she has emotions and she gets to be the nurturer but she also gets to be powerful and she trains herself and it just like comparing the two characters is like very bad of me to do but it's like the way that Korra is written is just so bad and I feel like she deserves more, but I need her to be rain from a real perspective. Also, the point about like giving women trauma so they are more likable or they have a reasoning to do something to become the powerful character, like Katara. Like their whole family has to be killed or they have to be raped or they have to be attacked or something has happened to them. So they go from whoever they are to an even better version of themselves. But then they lose like a sense of who they are, if that makes sense. And I watched this great video from this YouTube channel, The Take. They discuss all of this and like how to bring nuance to a character, especially a female character who has that sense of wanting revenge without stripping them of like everything else. And it's just so very good. Sorry to go on an avatar rant, Wendy. <laughs> I know you. No, it's okay. It was interesting. Um, I was listening. No, but I agree with you, Jackie. Um, and it's also like the difference, like I was saying before we started recording, like between Revenge Katara and Zuko and the way that I still feel like she could have had more of an arc with her mom and the trauma of her mother's death um, versus like she practically only gets one episode that's really focused on that versus like Zuko gets, and I love Zuko, but he gets three seasons to go on that emotional journey of his shame and his trauma with his family. And Katara only gets kind of like one episode to, to really heal from that. And I feel like even she could have had like a bigger arc in that sense. Sorry, I got distracted. I was like no, it's looking okay. at this one to see like, is there actually a female villain in this one? The answer is yes, but then it's one of my favorite books. So I got distracted reading. Okay. Well, okay. So then I have a question for you guys because I could not come up with any women villains that 
so Wendy, take it away with the ones that you have. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't know where to start. I'll start with Ray Bear, I guess. Um, because this one kind of has that anti-villain almost, um, which I still don't fully understand what that means. So I guess I'm kind of just throwing that word around. <laughs> but um, this, the premise with this is that um, Teresai, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce her name, um, but she is raised by this woman called the lady, um, who's her mother and raised is a relative term there because she rarely is ever in her company. She doesn't really get to spend any time at all with her. And that's one of the reasons from, because it's told from her perspective, that's one of the reasons that the lady is kind of villainized a little bit is because she isn't that nurturing figure so much, which is an interesting way to kind of look at that. But, um, the whole kind of kingdom fears her and as we learn more, it turns out it has to do with like her power and this kind of innate misogyny of this um, place. But anyway, so that's one that has a female villain, um, but it's also very complicated with it as we learn more and more and more about all of the different things. Um, so that is one. <laughs> the one I got distracted with was Legend um, by Marie Lu again. So I guess Marie Lu is just like really good at writing um, these complex female characters. I guess I'm not, not I guess, because she is. I love her. She's one of my favorite authors. Um, but if you haven't read the Legend series, <laughs> you should totally read it. Absolutely one of my favorites. And um, in this one, because it's more of like a militarized dystopian, the female villain is um, this commander and she's not so much a villain at the beginning but we like learn more about her and she really takes on that role because of more so what like what she believes in a little bit um, but also just how the story is told and who the story is told the perspective because June and Day the two protagonists have very different views on life um, so that one has a female villain in it as well do you want me to keep going yeah, I mean, if you, I, what I wanted to ask you guys about, if if this is just me like saying BS, or if you actually think there's any stock to this, and you guys can tell me if that's true or not, um, is like I feel like with women villains in mainstream, obviously there's going to be exceptions to this, but they're often very like erotic or like sexual. Like their power is very much about like their sexual allure or how they seduce people. Um, when, and then we compare them to like the more chaste, most likely female uh, hero. And there's kind of like some internalized misogyny there about like women, like controlling women's sexuality. And I don't know, is that, do you guys feel like that's true at all? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. But for some reason, like, yes, I have seen that. I guess I haven't read it very much. I don't know because these ones I pulled, no, <laughs> none of these really have that arc with that so that's interesting but you're right that's definitely a thing yeah I don't know maybe I again read many female villains so I'm like I don't really know in terms of like books but like across mediums yes yeah. and it's very like exhausting especially because it's like I feel like a lot of heroines sometimes rightfully so get a lot of backlash and it's just like for me if I don't like a female character it's because I know she's written by a man and it's just like 
absolutely terrible. Um, specifically, I'm thinking, forgetting her name, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Fine. <laughs> so many things. And if she was ruined by a woman, I want to know why is she so dry? Why is she like this? Because my mom loves her and I have an argument I I disagree with her because I agree with you Jackie that her her, like her character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe I haven't read the comics so I can't I don't actually is she I thought that she is she just gender bent in the movie or in the comics as well I have no idea um she's like the what is it called when they like give like a female counterpart to an already existing male superhero is it just being a female counterpart because there's a, like Captain gender marvel no it's like you know how there's like spider-man and there's like spider-woman she's like yes okay captain marvel she took on the mantle after captain marvel like died or whatever happened to him and then there's like okay. miss marvel but she originated as miss marvel but now okay. miss marvel is like kamala khan i think her name is um okay but yeah. I agree with you though that her her character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is extremely she has no personality. Like if you asked me to describe her, I would say she's has good intentions, haircuts. obviously, and haircuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh she she doesn't really have personality besides like she's a quote strong female character, which that's a whole nother, I feel like, podcast episode where we could talk about how that doesn't what does that even mean like when people say that when they're like it has a strong female character in it I'm like do you mean like a character a female character who has like more than two lines and like vaguely has a personality is that what you mean like you never say a strong male protagonist that's never a thing guys we have to talk about the Bechdel test oh my god I literally would like to dedicate an episode to the Bechdel test because I want us to go through things go through books whatever it is and just take from the Bechtelcast, which is another podcast, just take everything they're doing and apply <laughs> it to books. Because literally, there's so much to just break down in terms of like, just even the MCU alone. Like Black Widow is yeah. like always, obviously like this femme fatale, which is like, uh, I kind of hate that. Um and yeah I don't know I don't know guys it's and yeah and then spoiler alert if you haven't seen the you know Avengers Endgame don't listen but then they kill her and it's just like I just don't even know nobody would have missed Hawkeye nobody (laughs) would have mourned him I mean nobody mourns her he doesn't have a funeral but 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 the fandom maybe I think the fandom his 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 in story world in the story world people would have warned him but like at the fandom I know I would have been able to get over his his death you know his I think girl appropriating hideous mohawk having self could literally jump off the cliff and I would have cheered because what was oh <laughs> uh. Anyways, speaking of gender-bent <laughs> retellings, another character I really like, who's definitely an anti-heroine, um, is Lada from And I Darken by Kirsten White, which is a 
gender bent retelling of Vlad the Impaler. So it's actually historical fiction. It, it reads like fantasy. I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't have any magic in it or anything like that. Um, and so because she's like supposed to be Vlad the Impaler, except as a young woman, she's obviously gonna be pretty ruthless because Vlad the Impaler didn't get his name because he was nice to people. <laughs> um, but that book also, I really like that book because it addresses the societal confines of women in history. So obviously for Lada, even though her family is of royal bloodline, she's not a legitimate heir or ruler. Um, and so she kind of has to like almost become a vigilante, I'll just, I'll say, um, in order to kind of take back her country. Um, because most of the people in the story view her as just uh, a vehicle to provide heirs for other people. Um, but she herself, even though she's more than capable, can't um, rightfully rule. But it's really good, guys. You should definitely check it out. But it is also very violent. So prepare yourself. Um, so some more female villains, <laughs> I guess. Um, yes. So in the Ascendant series... Um, it's very, very male-oriented until you get to book four, The Captive Kingdom, um, and I assume book five because um, it continues into it, even though it's not out yet. And I'm looking forward to it, but um, that, we finally get a female villain, and um, I don't know, Hannah, you read it too, but I feel like Jennifer Nielsen does a good job with her and with, like, kind of providing, making her a little more three-dimensional than just, like, just the villain part of her but I don't know I read it so fast too that it's kind of just like a blur in my mind a little bit and I need to go back and reread it but what did you think her name was Jane right I think, I think so. so I also read it in like two days too so I <laughs> I she's a pirate don't. yeah Jane yeah, she's a pirate yeah I remember I remember texting you when I started that book and being like Ooh, are we getting are we getting a female villain here who's a pirate? And you were like, just keep reading. Um, I do think Jennifer Nielsen does a good job making her three dimensional, and I think that's a problem with villains in general. You hear a yeah. lot of like must mustache twirly villains, I guess, who um, are super one dimensional and don't feel like fleshed out characters. But I do think Jennifer Nielsen does a really good job um, with Jane. And then another one um, was actually, still probably is, but was definitely one of my favorite books when I was younger, The Girl Who Could Fly by Victoria Forster. Um, and you guys can see how well-loved this copy is because I've read it yes. so many times. Um, but that one is really good. It's about um, these kids with powers who end up having to go to this like boarding school type of place and then things aren't as they seem. And the lady who's like the headmistress, I think, um, Turns out she's got some other plans for these kids. Um, and I just realized, so um, confession, I my sixth book is kind of heavily based on this book. Um, and I actually have a female villain in that one too. So I've written a female villain, not well. Um, so I will say <laughs> that um, because I need to go back and totally flesh out her character. She gets very, very bent on like hatred at the end and it's just like cringy, but um Anyway, so it's very similar, I guess, to this sort of concept and then veers away. But anyway, this one is really good. And the villain in this, you kind of watch her as she grows and you watch her mind change a little bit um, throughout. And um, it's just, it's really cool to kind of watch that progression and how the main character, Piper, um, 
reacts to her as well so if you guys haven't read the girl who'd fly i totally recommend it um it's really fast read because it's middle grade but yeah so that's another really good female villain i feel like i've heard of that book like that cover looks super familiar to me there's a couple other covers too i mean my lighting is horrible but um yeah it's it's really good and then it, it goes on to the boy who knew everything and then there's a third one that I'm too scared to read so Wendy um, I feel like that happens so often with you does. where you'll be like I read the first two books I was too scared to read <laughs> to read past that yeah I don't know I mean I the protagonist so Piper can fly and that's like a huge part of her character and I think in the third one it's something or other about she can no longer fly and I just got <gasps> upset and I was like what so that's why I haven't read it have, have you guys seen Kiki's delivery service the movie no yes I love it so much it's my that, comfort movie so that's what it reminds me of because I still to this day whenever I watch that movie and Kiki loses her powers and can't honestly it's really that she can't talk to Gigi that always gets me um that always like I don't know that when somebody like loses their powers it's just always I feel like that's an emotional that's an emotional event uh especially for Kiki I have that (laughs) book (laughs) but they were like bringing him back to life like they had to bring this one guy back to life by giving up their powers and it was oh it's still it gets me when I read it yeah but you guys will have Definitely. to read these someday when they're better. They're not good. Exactly. <laughs> One day we'll get see them in physical books on, on shelves that we can actually buy, pay money for, support yep. you, Wendy, in your writing career. <laughs> I love that. Yay. So another anti-heroine um, is in Nocturna by Maya Motain. Um, and her name is Finn I had to go back and look um which is not good but um she kind of has that thing where she's done a lot of terrible things in her life um like killing people and um so she we get to find out more about her and watch her all sort of redemption arc and watch her grow and learn in it um so that's she's definitely an anti-heroine but I would say she's more she starts out as an anti-heroine and then kind of becomes more of a heroine throughout which is an interesting, interesting. art and maybe kind of goes more again to that kind of idea of like what do women have to be likable do they have to be good kind of so I don't know but I haven't read the second one so I don't know what happens to her in that well and that kind of goes into another thing that I want to talk about where um I feel like it's not just uh gender but in general, when a character has one or more marginalized identities, like the more marginalized identities they have, there's more of an impotence for them to be likable. Um, like, for instance, I'm always like, I want some queer villains out there. But then there's the whole issue of people saying, well, a lot of villains are already queer coded. Um, so there's like that, that problem of like, is that a stereotype? And it's like, well, if it's a queer writer writing the villain, then can't they write the kind of characters they want to? Can their characters be as messy or as like downright evil as they want to be? Um, and so like the more the more marginalized identities that character has, I feel like there's more pressure for them to be quote good. I finally thought up a female villain. And yes. <laughs> she's not a villain. And um, the second book in the series, the A Song of the Water series, is about her and kind of like showing readers that like you can't hate a teen girl because she is 
doesn't you know positively interact with the main characters like that doesn't make her a villain that just makes her a teen girl (laughs) who just right you can't be friends with everybody and I just thought it was so interesting that um the author chose to write a whole book kind of like redeeming this character um because I didn't hate her character while reading it um the first book but it was just like she's she's the bully she's whatever and so I think it's really interesting how like in YA we have like mothers being villains we have just regular teen girls being villains and people will just like we hate them we hate them yeah Mm -hmm. and we'll just write them off and I really like how in certain books like if the mom is the villain or um like there could be a whole conversation about like how stepmoms are like villainized and like Mm -hmm. how we could partly owe that to Walt Disney um and just like his hatred for women um, but I lost another conversation, and um, I don't know where I was going with this, but just, like, how we can point to, like, other women in our lives being, like, villainous, or competition, or whatever, and um, even when, like, with the anti-heroines, I love when, like, a sour female interaction turns into, like, something, like, not sweet, but something where like they work together and like they complement yes. each other. Um, and yeah, I really like that. So I'm really looking and forward to the second book. I, I think that shows you, cause you mentioned this earlier, Jackie, about like the power of point of view and like how anti-heroes um, are really just misunderstood heroes. And it's because of like how we're seeing them. Um, so I like that Bethany Simaro is like flipping the script and saying, you thought you knew this character? Well, you just knew how this other person viewed them. Um, So uh, yeah, it definitely shows the power of point of view, for sure. I think it's also good to point out, like, that whole kind of trope about, like, the popular girl being, like, Mm -hmm. a bully or something, or, like, the head cheerleader, things like that. Um, And even though they're not villains, necessarily, in the same way as, um, fantasy or something like that it's still that idea um behind it I don't know where else I was going with that but well and I do think it's super like anti-feminine too because usually those characters are hyper-feminine in in a lot of ways like they're portrayed that way like I think of like just because of I'm writing about it for school but like Sharpay Evans for instance um is like super hyper-femme um and she's the main antagonist of of the high school musical trilogy um and so it definitely when you compare her and she's very ambitious right she she likes the spotlight she likes to be the one in charge she's talented and she's not afraid to kind of tell other people that she's talented versus Gabriella who's very demure who's very chaste um who you know kind of lets Troy make most decisions I would say I don't think Gabriella has a lot of agency as a character in my opinion um and so you just see like the differences of like what kind of femininity is is acceptable versus what kind do we often see villain uh vilified which is like basically women who want power are are often you know demonized yeah the only decision the only times that Gabriella really has agency is when 
she leaves Troy, like in the first and the second one, which and then they just itself, get back together. Yeah, her only plot revolves around a guy, so it's like. Mm-hmm. And Troy's, I mean, it, this goes all, all into like musical theater, like the the structure of like musical theater. But I think that Troy is really he's the he's the protagonist. Like I really think it is more about Troy's story than mm-hmm. it is about Gabriella's story. Um, in terms of like it's him singing that causes all the issues, not right. Gabriella wanting to sing. Um, it's more like she's just the catalyst for his story. Not to go yeah. on a high school musical tra- tangent, oh. but oh my god, there's so much to say about everything. <laughs> okay, so to start, why does Gabriella have what is it? She's a freaky math genius. Like, why does she have that as like a bad thing? Like, oh my gosh, you're so smart and you're going to what Stanford? Like, oh poor <laughs> you. And it's just like I don't understand. Like, I don't know your guys' experience but like smart people like extremely smart people were never like bullied what are you talking about like who's gonna make fun of how genius you are like and the whole hyper feminine thing is like yes 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 because like um even if you like took that away from her that being a part of her character is so much of what makes me love her more because we don't really get enough of that in the sense that like I the whole idea of like you have to be a Gabriella to like make it whereas like Sharpay is the one you know is just she's gonna be okay because she lets everything just brush off her shoulder. What irritates me about how they treat Sharpay is I'm, I, I'm trying to think about it through her point of view. So she's been like working her butt off in, in East High's drama department for basically her entire life, right? So it's not like she's lazy um, or doesn't have a talent, like she genuinely does. And then out of nowhere comes this random girl who doesn't have singing experience and is basically just doing this to hang out with Troy Bolton. And they end up displacing her um for essentially the rest of her high school career like no offense to Troy and Gabriella but I would be angry if I was Sharpay like rightfully so I'd be like you guys don't even like musical theater you just started doing it like I've been doing this for 10 years <laughs> right yeah it spits in the face of people with like drive like oh I don't care if you've been working on this forever I decided this yesterday that I love this so move out of the way it's like no oh I know so I I agree with you I think Sharpay does like she tries to you know indirectly sabotage their relationship but to be honest with you Troy never implies that he's legitimately interested in Sharpay and I think Sharpay really just wants to be in a relationship with him because they could be like a power couple and she wants that kind of power that would come from like dating the most popular uh boy in school but uh I don't know I just I think that's so interesting though yeah again the whole plot between like those two like Sharpay and Gabrielle the whole plot and the whole and rivalry between them revolves around a guy (sighs) yeah Um, So one other that I wanted to mention is Sing Me Forgotten by Jessica S. Olsen, um, because I think that 
that character, Isla, um, she, I don't remember if that's her name, actually, now that I said it, that sounds wrong. Um, well, whatever, the protagonist, um, she is very, like, just really embodies that idea of an anti-heroine, um, because she's the, it's a gender-bent um, retelling of the Phantom of the Opera, and so she's the Phantom in this one, and she, her arc, she just gets more and more, like, villainous as she goes in her mind. She starts out where it's very, like, oh, okay, um, even though she's got these horrible, weird powers and stuff, like, she's she's basically normal um, and very, like, demure and stuff, and then as she goes and she learns more and more and more, like, she her arc is kind of, I guess, the reverse of a redemption arc, almost, um, so she's just really, really cool. It's such a, I just loved um, reading about her and following and it's in her mind too. So it's just really cool to just like go on that journey with her. So I definitely recommend that one as well. Phantom of the Opera is an interesting example because I feel like the Phantom himself is very romanticized. Like that, that story um, where she's like choosing between Raoul and the Phantom and the Phantom being kind of this very alluring, very obviously morally gray character who I feel like is kind of glorified, even though he does like kill people and he's a not, he's kind of obsessive and possessive over Christine. Um, and I just think that that's interesting. And I'd be interested to hear what you had to say about because it's gender bent, if that's the same case with with uh, Ista. Um, so, I would say that she's, because we're in Isda's mind in the story, she's not necessarily romanticized in the same way as the Phantom, because that story is told right. more from Christine's perspective. Um, but I think that she is maybe a little bit. Um, she does have the same kind of definitely morally gray things happening with like killing people and stuff like that. Um, but I think also a big difference is that in um, Phantom, there's Christine is having to choose between the two guys and in Sing Me Forgotten it's just Isda and then this the guy who's the gender bent version of Christine Emmerich um so it kind of has a different I don't know um plot I guess in that sense right. um, so I don't know if she's romanticized in the same way but I think that in the version of like if it had been romanticized completely instead of like rewriting it and turning it more into a fantasy if it had just changed with like gender bending and making the phantom a girl christine a guy and raul a girl then i think that that would have been it would have been harder to see i don't know i think the reaction to the yeah. phantom in that case would have been a lot different um but in this one i don't think it's quite like that just because it is from her perspective i don't know if that made any sense no i think it does no it does okay. totally i forgot what else we were talking about me too honestly it's just because it's friday and so i think all three of us are just like our brains are like literally fried at this point where we just don't have any more juice in them at this moment anyways this was really fun talking about anti-heroines and women villains with you guys i loved this i think our next episode is firekeeper's daughter correct yeah i'm so excited to read that I know, I am too. Um, instant number one New York Times bestseller. I said that so ugly. But, <laughs> guys. <laughs> you got my, the point across. accent is just like, I don't know, it just... I yeah, fumble guys. my words all the time, so. 
Don't feel bad. I'm so excited. Me too. The, the cover is gorgeous. The story sounds really amazing. So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. But but yeah, I think that's it. Wendy can send us out. All right. So as always, folks, keep reading and thanks for listening. The Pine Reads podcast is hosted and produced by Wendy Waltrip, Jackie Balbastro, and Hannah Miller. For weekly reviews, blogs, interviews, and other kidlit content, find us online at www.pinereadsreview.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pine Reads Review. Thanks for listening.